Good evening, everybody. It's a privilege to be able to be with you again to continue sharing from the book of Revelation. Tonight, we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 9 and Revelation chapter 10. Let's just have a word of prayer before we start our study this evening. Father, again, we just thank you that we can come into your presence by means of what Jesus has done and accomplished for us. We thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you, Lord, that you came to this earth and that you died on the cross for us. That if we put our faith and our trust in you, we have forgiveness for sins and we have eternal life. And we just thank you this evening for the privilege, Lord, of knowing you, of being able to come into your presence and also the privilege of being able to just study your word. We just thank you for our time together this evening as we again continue studying the book of Revelation. We just thank you for this in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Revelation chapter 9 verse 1. Here we're going to be looking at the fifth trumpet. And then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. When the fifth angel sounds the trumpet, John sees a star fallen from heaven to the earth. And what he sees here falling from heaven is not an actual star, but this is an angelic being, possibly even Satan himself, who comes down from heaven and he opens the bottomless pit. Or the pit is also referred to in scripture as the abyss. And it's mentioned seven times here in the book of Revelation. And the abyss always refers to a prison where some of the demonic hordes are incarcerated. They are kept in prison in chains. And it's a place of severest torment and isolation. Uh, we can read about that in Second Peter 2 uh, verse 4 and also in Jude 6 verse uh, Jude 6 and 7. Jude has only got one chapter. And John describes here 
um, coming out of this uh, abyss, out of this furnace. He sees smoke that comes out of this pit, and the sun was darkened because of the smoke of this that was coming out of this pit. And he sees uh, out of the smoke locusts coming upon the earth. Now, locusts uh, always um, descend in swarms. And we've actually got a locust epidemic on the earth at the moment in East Africa and the Middle East and parts of India where there are huge uh, swarms of locusts and they can obscure the sun. They strip bare all vegetation. And John describes these locusts who are actually demonic beings coming out of the pit. Uh, and they seem to be like locusts. And uh, he says that to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. Now we know a scorpion has a tail that's got a venomous sting in it. And often when a scorpion stings a victim, that victim from that sting and the poison that enters his body often rolls on the ground in agony and grits his teeth in pain. And here, we, these demons who are described here in the forms, form of locusts are able to afflict physical pain like a scorpion inflicts pain on a victim. And... God instructs, or the angel instructs these demonic uh, beings not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any of those who have the seal of God on them. So that's everyone on the earth uh, who has the seal. And there's only two groups that are mentioned in chapter 7 that have the seal of God. It's the 144,000 Jewish evangelists and they're converts. Now, the normal life cycle of a locust is about five months. And we see here that this torment that comes from these uh, demonic creatures lasts for five months. We see that in verse 5. And they were given authority not to kill anybody, but to torment people for five months and their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So the torment inflicted upon humanity by these demonic beings is this described here as the same type of torment or pain that is inflicted when a scorpion stings somebody. And verse 6 says, In those days men will seek death and they will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. They will want to die, but they would not be able to die at all from the unimaginable misery that they experience as a result of the torment of these demonic creatures. Verse 7, the shape of these locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth, 
and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had, as a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek he has the name Apollyon. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So the description of these uh, demonic uh, spirits, beings that come to torment the earth in verse 9 where it talks about that they have breastplates of iron. Breastplates are designed to actually protect vital organs and sustain life of a warrior. And it seems that these creatures are invulnerable and they come to torment humanity for five months. And here in verse 11, it says that there is a king over them, and it gives the name of that king. In Hebrew, it is Abaddon, but in the Greek, it's the name Apollyon. The word Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek have the same meaning. It means destroyer. And there seems to be a hierarchy of power amongst uh, demons, just as there are amongst angels. And apparently this angel from the bottomless pit is one of Satan's most trusted leaders as he leads this demonic horde uh, to bring torment to the earth for a period of five months. Verse 12, we see there that one woe is past, but there's still more woes that are coming after these things. Verse 13, we see the sixth trumpet here. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision. Those who sat on them had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow, and the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths, for their power was in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents having heads, and with them they do harm. Scripture never refers to angels as being bound. So these angels that are referred to here who are bound at the great river Euphrates are demonic beings. 
and God has bound them until they will be released during the time of this uh, tribulation and they are freed to accomplish his judgment uh, through the horsemen that we read about here. Um, and the Euphrates is one of the four rivers that uh, flowed through the Garden of Eden. We read about that in uh, Genesis. And the release of these angels uh, at, that abound at the great river Euphrates, um, God has bound them and has prepared them, it says here, for the hour, the day, the month, and the year that they will be released for the purpose of killing one-third of mankind. And the army that we read about here uh, in verse 16, some see this as a reference to uh, forces that are accompanying the kings of the east. Uh, but this, if you actually have a look here and you read the context of what is happening here, the event that occurs in connection with the kings of the, uh, the east coming only happens much later in the book of Revelation. Uh, and the language that is used here is better understood to referring to a demon force that actually comes to make war on the earth's inhabitants. And what we are told here is that they will kill one-third of humanity. And in verse 17, we read there about uh, uh, brimstone. Uh, it says there that in verse 17, And I saw the horses in the vision, and those on them who had uh, breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Brimstone is a, a yellowish uh, sulfur rock uh, that often attends fire and smoke. In We see it in, in the book of Revelation. And brimstone, when it's ignited, it uh, produces almost like a suffocating um, gas. And we see here that uh, with the uh, fire, the smoke, and the brimstone, by these three plagues, the scripture tells us, a third of mankind was killed by the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone, which came out of the mouths of these demonic beings. Uh, and it also tells us, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like serpents, having heads, and with them they do harm. So John's language here um, describes these demons' ability to vent destructive power in both directions, from their mouths and from their tails. Now we read about some really horrific events which actually take place during the time of the tribulation. And uh, I want to ask a question here. Why does God send or allow the tribulation period? What is the reason for God doing this? And 
what we read about uh, from Revelation 6 to 18, we read about more than half of the world's population perishing. If we have a look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 7, where one of the seals is opened there, we see that 25% in one event, 25% of the world's population perish. What we read about here in Revelation chapter 9, we see that one-third, 33% of the world's population perish. And why would God, who is the author of life, who is willing that no one should perish, should bring about these things in which so many people die? We read in Second uh, Peter 3 verse 9, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what is God's purpose with all these disasters, tragedies, earthquakes, tsunamis, wars, pandemics, all these judgments and things that happen during the time of the tribulation. We'll answer that question now. Going to read the last verse of Revelation chapter 9, and that is verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. The purpose of God sending the tribulation or allowing the tribulation to take place. It's an opportunity for people to change their minds about God and to come to repentance. That's why God allows it. Jesus came to the earth in order to redeem us. But those that ultimately do not put their trust and their faith in what Jesus did and accomplished for us on the cross, he will judge all of those who do not repent and put their faith in him. So he sends the tribulation to change people's minds about him. And God brings judgment with the redemptive purpose in mind. And even after all these things that have happened, we read here in verse 20, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. God allows this to happen. Even as terrible as these judgments are, what is even more terrible is to go to hell for eternity. That is far worse than just experiencing these things for a short period of time. And God wants everybody to come 
to repentance. And God allows these things and he brings his wrath upon the earth with the redemptive purpose in mind that people would change their minds about him and come to him in repentance. And although there are going to be many who are going to do that, the scripture tells us that the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. Revelation chapter 10. I saw still another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. When he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them down. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Verse 8, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. It will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I'd eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So what John sees here, the little book, again, it's probably the sealed scroll, which we uh, referenced uh, earlier in our studies on the book of Revelation, uh, the scroll, which is the title deed of the earth, will be fully opened and all the final judgments will be made visible. And here he sees this angel, right foot in the sea and left foot on the land. And although Satan has got temporary power over the sea and the earth, this act demonstrates that all creation belongs to the Lord and that He rules it with sovereign authority. So in verse 4, um, Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write what I heard, but then John is told that he must conceal the message of the seven thunders until God's time. In verse 5, where he sees this, uh, angel uh, 
raising up his hand towards heaven. Uh, by this, when you raise a hand, you take an oath or a vow. And where the angel raises his hand towards heaven, that's where God dwells. The angel is taking an oath. And in verse 6, we see here that um, John says there, uh, he raised his hand and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. And this initiates the last of the plagues that are about to come now, that the seventh trumpet then goes into the seven bowl judgments, and this now indicates the last of the plagues of the day of the Lord. And it talks about that time that the disciples also questioned the Lord about in Matthew 24. And this also now that there should be delay no longer that the prayers of the saints are going to be answered. And verse 7 but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. Now, we've often spoken about a mystery. Uh, a mystery in Scripture is a truth that God concealed in the Old Testament, but he's revealed in the New Testament. And... A mystery here, the mystery is the final consummation of all things that God destroys sinners and he's about to establish his righteous kingdom on the earth. And this mystery, though it wasn't fully revealed, it was declared to God's prophets, but now it's about to be fully revealed. Verse 9, John is told here, he hears this voice from heaven speaking to him. And this voice says that he needs to take this book and eat it. And he's told that it's going to make your stomach bitter, but it's going to be as sweet as honey in your mouth. So verse 10, John takes the book out of the angel's hand and he eats it. And it was as sweet as honey in his mouth. That's what he says. But when I'd eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many people's nations, tongues, and kings. So where John is told to take and eat this book, what is illustrated here is that he is taking in and he's eating God's word. And John's physical reactions here demonstrate what our response should be to God's judgment. That we have sweet anticipation of God's glory and victory. That is the sweetness that John tastes when he eats this book, he tastes the sweetness in his mouth. But the bitterness that he experiences in his stomach 
is the bitterness that we should have at seeing God's wrath poured out on those who reject his son. And when he digests uh, what he has eaten, okay, um, this now reflects the seal, the trumpet, and the bowl judgments, all these things that are coming upon the earth, it actually makes him sick and nauseated. But God's final victory okay, is still sweet to the believer. And then he's told again that he needs to prophesy again a call for him to warn about the bitter judgments that are about to come the bitter judgment in the seven trumpet, the seventh trumpet, and the seven bowl judgments which are now about to come uh, upon the earth. And that's where we're going to conclude our study tonight. Lord, again, we just thank you for the opportunity to uh, study your word. We thank you that you've revealed to us what is going to take place in the future. And Lord, we just thank you again for your salvation, that you have redeemed us and uh, that we have got a wonderful future to look forward to and that the blessed hope that we have is the return of the Lord Jesus where he comes back to fetch his church where we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so we will ever be with the Lord. So, Father, again, we just uh, thank you for this opportunity to study your word. And I just pray your blessing on each and every single person that has been listening tonight. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.